conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Previously on Welcome to Geekdom, we discussed Season 4 of Lost. Today, however, we are not joined by Nick Ball. I am joined by Becky Rice and Shane Connard, and we are going to discuss Season 5, where things get crazy. But in Season 4, things were already starting to get pretty crazy. We met some new characters, and it doesn't cease to amaze me that this show is just like, let's give you new characters every season, and it's not like it'll be too much or anything every season every season new characters they'll give you new characters you know with two episodes left as we will discuss not on this episode (laughs) (laughs) but becky and shane how are you both doing today well deanna i'm glad that you asked i am feeling defeated i tried to assemble a chair it did not work out very well for me uh, I am not a woodworking kind of gal, so I'm currently sitting on the seat of the chair, and the legs in the back are elsewhere, and that's where I'm at today. So I'm I'm very happy to be here talking about Lost and not thinking about that chair that destroyed me. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, but Shane, how are you doing? Um, I am doing well. I'm feeling pretty good about my. My perfect, uh, perfect record, perfect attendance on the uh, Lost podcast side of this so far. Um, missing pet. Nick. Hey. Shane just said that he misses Nick, but I just want to point out that nobody misses Nick as much as I do. I wish that Nick was here. I'm very sad. That's reasonable. And we're going to keep talking about Richard, who, <laughs> you know, only exists in Lost Chat. I also love Richard, and Richard is not here, but Richard's never been here. We just talk about him, and then he never shows up. <laughs> That's his secret. Richard's kind of like the smoke monster. We don't really get to his <laughs> side of things till the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really well, hope he makes it to the next episode, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Richard's entire backstory. What if Richard doesn't make it back? He has to go back. He has to. Well, do we want to jump in and discuss some of the new characters from season five? There aren't a ton that they really, really focus on, but I think there are a few worth making note of. And, you know, I was going through and I was like, was Eloise a new character or was it just the older version of her who was a new character? Because everything is confusing and she appears in multiple timelines. So who knows when anything happens, but you know, the older, wiser Eloise plays a pretty big role in this season. Now I'm trying to think if like, have we met? Was the fifties timeline in season four? Because if so, then yes, she was in it. Okay. I think so. But a very, very young version of her, clearly. Yeah, for sure. That's why I was like, question mark, question mark, because I don't actually know. But I did enjoy the character's portrayal. And, you know, she's not necessarily in this a ton, but she's in it just enough to be like, yes, she is important. We must mention her. And also she is Dan's mother. So kind of important. Yeah. Yeah, my my favorite thing about this list of new characters so far is that every single person, I'm just like, who are they again? Are they important? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess they are. And then they just, and then it's like, uh, well, 
the show's got to wrap up real real quick. So these people just kind of disappear. Right. And, you know, the two from the Dharma Initiative that I wanted to mention are Phil and Stuart, which Stuart was often called Radzinski. And I found him to be one of the most annoying characters on this show. There's absolutely nothing likable from the moment he opens his mouth. I was just like, why are you here? Can you go away? Even that, I'm like, who again? Okay. Yeah. We are. <laughs> Who's Phil? I remember Phil. Phil is one of the security guys who is working for, quote unquote, LaFleur. <gasps> I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also annoying, though. 100%. Sorry, I haven't seen this show in a while. <laughs> it's okay. But I just thought they were worth mentioning because they come into play a lot when basically the Dharma Initiative is kind of falling apart. And Rizitsky is the guy who is like, they need to leave, and then they get in a, like this whole huge argument, and he's just so so annoying. And he's suddenly like he goes from being this kind of background character to being someone who is very very vocal about everything, even though that's not his job. Yeah, they just had to throw an antagonist in there to help propel the story, and they landed on that apparently just pick they just pluck somebody out of the background they're just like all right let's just do this guy we'll give him a little sidekick yeah and then you have ilana who is pretending to be like a u.s marshal or something she arrests saeed and they're on the ajira 316 flight and that whole thing is just so crazy how it unfolds because you're like okay so she's supposed to be you know doing something for some reason and it takes so long for us to find out what that reason is yeah well we don't even really find out what that reason is this season do we i didn't think so that's why i'm saying it takes so long oh it takes so long yeah an entire season (laughs) because that episode where she like comes in is what like the sixth episode in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's in 316. Cause that's the same. That's when um, the flight is. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Dang. See, the thing about season five is that because the, we, we jump into all these different timelines and we have all these parallel stories going on. I can't keep track. I knew that this was going to get hard. <laughs> this is where I completely lost track of everything. I was like, Okay, wait, it's the 70s. Now it's not the 70s. They're on the island and they're not on the island. And you have different time periods where you have some of your main characters and then the other main characters, you can't tell what time period they're in necessarily because when the plane crashes, not really crashes, it crash lands. Let's let's give the you know, yes. Lapidus some credit here. He's yeah. <laughs> a very good pilot and he kills his co-pilot, but that's fine. We love him. Nothing to see here. And <laughs> <laughs> he really just finds a way to, you know, continue to be in the story, which I really enjoy. But there's a flash before the crash landing and, you know, what, four of them disappear into a different time. And Sun is like the only one left. And I'm like, but why? And the reason why is because they know we love Sun and Jin, and therefore they must keep them apart for suspense purposes. 
Truly. I can't imagine those two not being fan favorites at the time of this. Shane, can you confirm this at all if when you first watched this, they were kind of your favorites as well? Yeah, definitely. I feel like this was, I mean, I want to stay on the uh, the Sunjin thing really quick before I go on to other people that I love. At this point, this is like the big turnaround where Jin's kind of at the forefront of making decisions that seem his decisions seem hold a lot more weight because he has he's more drive to try to get back to Sun. Right. And so he becomes a lot more interesting. Sun Sun's always been interesting. I don't think that that's ever been questioned. All of all of their episodes have always been great. This is a continued theme. They don't do those characters wrong. Yeah, Becky, how do you feel about Jin and Sun this season? I love everything that's Jen and Sun. I think that they have like the best episodes. I think that they have the most compelling stories that like actually tug at my heartstrings. Whereas like with the other characters, especially like on rewatch, I feel like the first watch through, there are a lot of people that I really remember liking or having strong opinions about. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, whatever. But like Sun and Jen forever, man. Yeah. And I love that in the three years that have passed in the 70s timeline. So they basically arrived in 74, but it's now 77. Jin has finally learned like proper English. And they're just like, okay, Daniel Day Kim, here you go. You can speak English again. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to kind of just take this by each timeline if we're all good with that, because I feel like that's kind of the best way to keep things straight without jumping back and forth too terribly much yeah they actually give us some space to be able to do that too those timelines are at least separate and you're kind of just thrown back and forth between them but it works for what it is anyway do you want to start early or later let's start with the 50s timeline because i think heck yeah that's where i was getting confused because we do see eloise in 1954 in this season i thought maybe it was season four but i don't know if we saw her more than once in 54 so that actually happens in like episode 14 i think so it's very very late in the season when we get the reveal that dan's mother is ellie from 1954 because she wasn't going by eloise to make it super obvious and it didn't register in my head that that would have been a nickname for eloise or that those were similar. Yeah, I remember having the same thing and being like, oh, and like, those names are not super far off. But it's also not a common one either. Like, I feel like most people named Eloise just go by Eloise. Right. That's like a very specific name. Yeah. And so like, it wasn't really a trick. But it also wasn't so obvious that I didn't see it coming. Um, I remember being very like, oh, <laughs> when I find when it clicked for me. Yeah. And we actually visit the earlier timeline in episode four, because that is when we have Jin resurfacing on the island after the boat exploded. So I like that reveal because it was like the freighter exploded. We thought he was dead at the end of season four. And then we get him washing up on the island and you're kind of like, okay, good, he's alive, but then he is not alive in the correct time. (laughs) So you're just like, oh, no, you know, and I guess he technically doesn't wash up, does he? Doesn't he, like, get saved by Danielle and whoever she's with, and he's, like, pulled onto the raft as they're 
coming to the island? Yes. Okay. That is this season, right? That's that late it's in that this season. season. It's an episode Holy four. Holy crap. A lot happens. I think that's a that's a Kate episode, I think. Yes. That is when she is following the lawyer. Yep. Because Ben has sent the lawyer after her and Aaron. Yeah. So in this timeline, Jin is rescued. Danielle is still pregnant because it is, you know, years and years before. That's not the 50s. It's 1988. There are too many timelines in this show that happens in the 80s. I was actually about to ask that. I was like, wait, that doesn't track because Alex is not that old. No, it's, it's, it's 1988 is when Jen is rescued. How does Jen jump back and forth so much? Here's the thing. I just watched this season. <laughs> I just watched it front to back. And then I rewatched episodes. And I'm still just, I'm just lost. I'm, I'm leaving just, this all in because I, I didn't mean to do it that, goes but. to show that there are truly too many timelines in this. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but that's fine. So we have 54, 77, 88, and 2007. Too many timelines. I truly should have written down like what timeline all of these things happened in because I just have notes with no years next to 98% of these notes. Holy shit. Yeah, this episode is, or this, well, this episode's fucked too, but the season is. Yeah, because it's kind of like we wait until episode eight, I think, to get actual <laughs> confirmation that Sawyer, Juliet, and them are in the 70s. I think that's when they're finally like, oh, it's 1977. Yeah. Oh my God. When is that? It's like they have to tell you what time it, <laughs> what year it is, because otherwise you're just like, I don't know. You can kind of tell based on the clothes, but with the others, because they kind of just dress the same the entire time, you're like, yeah. Richard looks the same. Sometimes he has longer hair, sometimes he doesn't. I don't know. He's just fitting the decade. His hairstyle fits the decade and everything else stays the same. I always feel like I understand loss until I try to talk about it. And then I'm like, <laughs> what He's happened? Like, what are we doing? But I would say the main timelines are 77 and 2007. Is it 77? Is it 74? Or is it 77? It was 74 that they were transported to, but it had been three years because the others had spent three years off island. Okay, that's right. That's right. One thing I am I'm sure as heck about is is the incident, which are the last two episodes, and yes. that definitively takes place in seventy seven. Yes. I don't know. I want to talk about the incident. I feel like that's what we're working up towards. <laughs> Sorry to derail that. Aren't we like twenty years away from that? <laughs> no, I actually want to pause with the timelines real quick because that's going to get a little crazy and talk about some of the deaths yeah because i think we have very very important deaths that we need to talk about in this i would say charlotte may be the least important of them but at the same time her death happens when they're like jumping through time and then she just kind of like disappears after having you know like the bloody nose. She gets the bloody nose. She's like passed out. Dan won't leave her. And then when everyone else <gasps> returns to Dan, Charlotte's just gone. I remember that now. Her her story is so uh, it's so sloppy to me. It is because then we get a young Charlotte and Dan's being super strange. 
that that is the most laughable <laughs> scene. I think upon rewatch, that's got to be the most laughable scene I can think of. It it it's so rough. What wow? What what does he say? Oh, she's like, I'm not supposed to have chocolate before dinner. Chocolate before dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Faraday. Oh God. It's super weird. <laughs> it's super creepy in the weirdest yeah. way. And obviously the biggest death is Locke. What? Yeah. Good old Ben Linus. Because we are led to believe that he commits suicide, but then it is revealed that Ben kills him. Yeah, yeah. what a dick. Because he was going Sorry. to commit suicide anyway? Like, I don't understand the logic behind that. Like, I, I'm trying to remember. Because John was ready to hang himself and Ben walked in and then strangled him. Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird. It's like, okay, you could have just let him hang himself. I don't. They really understand the logic of that scene. Don't they kind of try to explain it in, in the next season? Does this show explain it, Shane? Do they? Do they really explain anything? No. Lost. <laughs> yeah, well, and th- not only do they not, everything doesn't get, like, wrapped up. Spoilers. <laughs> everything doesn't get wrapped up. But it's different watching it now, I feel like. But imagine being one of those people that, like, did not know that, like, this was going to be the next to last season. Because there's brand new questions that pop up in this season. There's questions that pop up in season six, too, if we're being honest. Oh, for, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. That's that's later. I there There's such a mess of a... Yeah. Can you imagine being in the writer's room for this and trying to keep these timelines straight? Because I'm not 100% confident that they kept them straight, and that's why everything's confusing. I feel like each one was written by a different writer. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I don't actually know, and if I did my homework, maybe I would know. But the way it feels from someone who doesn't know is that season five happens, and they're like, all right, we're, we're, we're about to... We're we're blasting off with this. Like we've got so much ahead of us. And then somebody just walked in. They were like, you know what? You guys, you got one season left. And they're like, and then they had to pump the brakes real quick. And it's just like all of these extra timelines that they were building. They're like, all right, how do we make these timelines make sense now? Let's just eliminate them. So they try to wrap things up too quick. And therefore, so much is left unanswered. I'm sure if they were given time, they could have answered them. Maybe not. Maybe they were just creating too big of a mess. They knew they had to put a cap on it. I do think this season was a pretty big mess. But the other death worth noting is Jacob. Oh! (laughs) Sorry, it just clicked with me, like, why the Ben thing, like, with Locke. Because I was thinking that they happen, like, close together. They don't. Like, he, like, talks him down. And he's like, hey, like, don't do this. Don't kill yourself. But then later when he realizes that like he's going to go like talk to like Eloise, he's like, oh shit, no, I can't have that happening. And so then he kills him. But that's the same scene. Yeah, that's the same scene. Is it the same scene? It's literally like 30 seconds apart. <laughs> yeah, that's all, all in there. <laughs> it's like the quickest turnaround. It- I didn't rewatch this season. <laughs> it's okay. I was, re- I was rewatching with you guys because I have a lot of trouble sleeping. But as you guys know, I recently upgraded to Brooklinen bedding and now I sleep wonderfully. This podcast is sponsored by Brooklinen. Please give us money. And now I don't have time to watch Lost because I'm too busy sleeping. Well, that's fine. That's acceptable. I'm really good at making ads. 
Somebody pay me money. <laughs> I'm going to have Becky do all of the ad reads for the podcast, just so all of the sponsors know ahead of time. Hell yeah. But yeah, I think Charlotte, Locke, and Jacob are the deaths worth noting, because obviously when the plane crash lands, I don't think every single person who was on the plane necessarily survives, or they're just not important, so they didn't care to tell us. But people definitely get shot at some point, too, and you're just like, okay, we didn't know who that was, so who cares? It's almost like you knew they were going to get shot because they didn't give him a story. <laughs> yeah. And plus, Ben has to kill people. That's like his thing. Yeah. But we do have a near death that we need to talk about, and that is when Saeed shoots young Ben. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because that whole storyline is pretty wild. And it takes us back to 77. And we know who Saeed is. This is not a surprise to any of us at this point. But the fact that Ben is so young and was making him sandwiches and bringing him sandwiches almost every day. And then Saeed turns around and shoots him you're just kind of like man you know even though we knew Saeed killed people we still liked him and in that moment you're just kind of like oh okay this is where they're gonna have this character turn yeah and they don't turn back no yeah they really do complicate Saeed that way and that that's honestly the as far as this season is concerned I think the best interweaving of the timelines Mm-hmm. I I really like the layer of of <laughs> side knowing exactly who Ben is and just despite being helped, he's just like I know I have to. I don't know. It's he knew all along that he had to shoot him, <laughs> but he should have known it wouldn't work. Yeah, and I feel like he does it very just like nonchalantly. Yes. Like he's just like I guess I'll shoot you now. Like it didn't feel like he was actually trying to kill him. Until he shot him. <laughs> Saeed's is painted as the most methodical character out of out of the original survivors. And this felt very careless. Yes. But I was going to say the most naive. Like, yeah. he should know that that's not going to work. Yeah. He should be the one that's, like, seeing 10 steps ahead. And, and instead, he just, he always just reacts with his, like, emotions. And it's... The character that he is in this season doesn't really make sense with the character that he is in previous seasons. Also, I feel like every time we talk about Lost, we sound like people who didn't like this show. Because they're like, oh, this thing didn't make sense. Or, oh, this is weird. Or, oh, why did they write this character this way? But we love this show. Well, here's the thing. I like the show, but a lot of it still didn't make sense. Those are not mutually exclusive things. I love this show. (laughs) Like, I can be very confused and still enjoy something. (laughs) (laughs) clearly (laughs) couldn't even get the timelines right confused me and i enjoy a lot so (laughs) and it's not necessarily that what was happening was confusing it's just the back and forth and the constant jumping around that makes it harder to follow yeah i think i just would have preferred it if each episode was in a specific timeline instead of being in three different timelines in the same episode yeah yeah everybody's going off on their own little adventures But, like, Deanna, think about it this way, though. This show, you and I both watched this show once it was, like, available for streaming. Uh We weren't really watching it when it was on. Would that have, like, translated well? Like, to have one episode set in, like, the 50s, and then a week later it's set in 2007, and then a week later it's set in, like, 1977. Would that have translated well for a weekly show like that? 
Maybe. I don't know. Because I can't think of like an example of a show that's done something similar. I think that like if we were talking about like a Netflix, like the way that shows come out now, like, you know, if it was like a Netflix show and it was all released at once, I think that that for sure could work. I think that we put all these guys in a room and we give them another show. That's what I say. (laughs) Don't everybody sound so excited. I mean, we'll see. (laughs) I don't know how I would feel about that. (laughs) J.J. Abrams gives lots of mixed feelings. Okay, well, J.J. Abrams has only ever made one mistake, and it was a big one. It was a doozy. And we're not here to talk about that, because we've already hashed that out on Deanna's podcast. We did. I did. I don't know about the two of you, but I did. Oh, shit. I, I didn't. That's the only mistake he's ever made. And it was a big one. It was a bad one. A big bad. But everything else he does is like fantastic, I think. I'm sure that there's like somebody's gonna tweet at me and be like, what about this thing? And I'm like, oh, I hate you. Cloverfield rules. I wish that we were I anyway. I don't watch Star Trek, so I can't speak to everything he's done. Yeah, I haven't actually watched those, so like I should probably not I should probably not say what I said. All I will say is I think he's better as a producer, not a director. Absolutely. Or like um, a person who like comes up with like the idea of something. Yeah. Right. Like I, I like when he like when he's like, oh, here's my idea for this thing. And then like somebody else comes in and directs it. That's also how I feel about like Aaron Sorkin. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, write the script. But like, God, don't fucking direct it. Sorry, we can talk about an Orton, Aaron Sorkin project at a later date if you want to have me on to talk about any of them. It's fine because, you know, I ha- I have to make my Stephen King connection. So J.J. Abrams has produced two Stephen King series that are out now, 11-22-63 and Castle Rock. And then he's going to be doing Lisey's story, but he's only a producer on those. So I think that is kind of why I have enjoyed those a little more than I think I expected to. But to get us back to Lost, there were some good little moments between some of our main characters because when you get that Jin and Sawyer reunion in episode five, that's really fun because when the show began, Sawyer was someone who didn't seem to care about anyone else. And this is the season where, you know, that drastically changes. Obviously he's cared about Kate the entire time, but it's kind of been like a more lustful pining kind of way whereas in this he's with Juliet and maybe that's not everyone's favorite part of the show but I think it shows a lot of growth for Sawyer in particular absolutely Sawyer was weird it's a weird one it's hard right because like part of me is like this dude sucks but then also like but then he doesn't but then he doesn't yeah and you're like Sometimes people just don't know how to handle the bad things that happen to them and they need something to like push them in the right direction. Yeah, I might have an unpopular opinion here, but I, I really like the the Sawyer Juliet relationship there. And I, I, I think that Sawyer's change in character kind of and correct me if because again these timelines suck. I know. <laughs> when Sawyer how does Sawyer end up in seventy seven? Let's just start there. Because it's when he jumps off the is it when he jumps off the helicopter? Yeah, he gets back to the yes. island and then the flashes start happening and then they stop and they end up in 74 and 74, the others right. are not 
on the island. So three years have passed for them, I guess, from 2004 to 2007. Yeah. And and the thing is, I feel like after Sawyer has jumped off of the helicopter, I, I feel like that he's finally felt good about like everything he's done. And yeah, no, like he, once he like goes and he he creates the LaFleur character and he finds him. I don't know. He creates this whole life for himself. He's really at peace for the first time. He's head of security. He has like a purpose finally. Yeah. And then the whole thing with him and Juliet, like it just makes sense. And then when Kate comes around, he obviously like thinks back on all the things that I don't know the way it was when he first got to the island. And But he's still very much dedicated to Juliet because he's like, I have made my choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sick. That character development with Sawyer's is one of the best. I, I I love it. And again, I yeah. I don't know if everybody agrees with me here, but I really like Juliet as a character. I think it's she's one of the more well-rounded characters, despite some of the flaws they kind of give her in season in season four, in my opinion. I, I I think that her whole story arc is really good too. I don't know. Somebody disagree with me. I'm ready to art. Okay. I like Juliet as a character. Sorry. I don't have an <laughs> No, I was ready to argue. <laughs> I know you were. I like her. I like most of the people, I think. They did a good job of making certain characters very likable that you were unsure about at the beginning. Because when we meet Juliet, we're kind of like, okay, she's with Ben and we don't really know how to feel. And then when she goes to the camp on the beach, you're kind of like, all right, she obviously wants to help because she's trying to help Claire when Claire gets sick. And it's a very slow burn for her character. Whereas I think the changes between, you know, Jack from early on happen very quickly. It's like season one, Jack's the doctor. He's helping people. Season two, you're like, this dude's annoying. Everyone has daddy issues, (laughs) but Juliet doesn't. So I think that's what makes her character a little more complicated and interesting she doesn't seem to have the same problems that a lot of the characters have she has different problems that seem much more i don't know adult (laughs) a lot of a lot of daddy issues on this show truly it's very distracting at times too i think when they're like okay we're gonna talk about Locke and his dad and then jack and christian and then oh christian is also gonna be claire's dad and it's just like Oh my goodness, at least with Sawyer's dad, he had like a legitimate reason to have issues with that. Yeah. Or a more traumatic reason anyway, until, you know, Locke's dad does what he does by throwing him out a window. I feel like everybody has to have, it's just like the figure that they use to like, I don't know, to live up to and like to to finally give them that purpose. And it's very, uh, I feel like it's very intertwined in like a lot of the... Oh, what am I trying to say here? Like the the religious allegory that's thrown into this show and like Right. Yeah. And I mean Jack is like the most obvious one where and I don't know, you just can't Jack just sucks. I don't want to talk about Jack anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I think thankfully he's not like a massive part of this season. He really takes a back seat because He leaves Juliet hanging when she has to operate on young Ben to the point where Kate has to take him to the other others. And, 
you're just kind of like, <laughs> you're just like, okay, Jack sucks. We know it. They know it at this point. And they're kind of like, okay, time to focus on some other things. Yeah. And uh, I just feel, I feel bad talking about Kate when Nick's not here. Do we have but to Kate, talk about Kate? Kate? Nick loves Kate. <laughs> Nick loves Kate. And I, and I love Nick, but she just, uh, Kate's character is so boring in this season. And I, I just like really, all of the scenes of her with Aaron in the, what do we want? I, I guess they're still. I guess that's the present timeline. Present day at the time, right? In the present yeah, timeline. Seven, yeah. right? I guess what I'm trying to say is Kate in 2007, just like, I just, I'm not having it. I just, it wasn't, I don't think it was good. And I think it's meant to be this thing of like, oh, she made this choice to do this because this was part of this lie. And this like changes who she is as like a person and as a character. But like, I think it feels super forced and unbelievable. Yeah. I just think she's doing the same thing that she's always done. She's just like made a choice and is kind of committing to it. And like, like you're like, oh, well, you always feel bad for Kate. But the thing is, like, Kate made a choice and committing to it. I don't know. And I think the problem is that they made it so that Kate could be the only one who makes that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't give the little white blonde boy to son and have that make sense. <laughs> Fair. Plus, someone's so pregnant, right? And that's kind of your only other, like, viable option, really, because you're like, okay, well, one of women will have to say he's their son and there's only two of them so you're kind of like all right and then you find out that you know well we find this out sooner than jack does but we're like oh it's uncle jack (laughs) you know you are kind of like well we know that's not going to end well because nothing between him and kate ever ends well so it's just so weird how they handle that whole thing because it feels out of place with Kate's character. Yeah, I guess that's where, what I have issue with. Like, like they've never indicated that she ever even wanted to be a mom, really. Whereas, obviously, we saw that Son wanted that at some point in the flashbacks. And I don't know. Yeah, I just didn't really care for that much either. But thankfully, it's relatively short-lived. Yeah, it's like it's like they start to paint kate as this like guardian character protecting aaron in that sense and like making this choice but she's never really showed that like every other character has showed has worn what they are before like like when you get hurley's he's the same he's the same person he's 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 running away from the pol- like he's on all the time still he's, all the time yeah. and who, who you know jack is always whiny like yes. you get jack to the he's still he's just still complaining and he still sucks and but yeah kate's just like a big turn from that and it it's confusing and yeah i just i i have a lot of problem with it because nothing led up to it whereas with sawyer everything led up to his character kind of making this change in his life yeah i, I was talking about the show earlier and the thing about this show <laughs> Is that they write some characters so well? Yes. And then other characters, they're just—it's although they're they are billed just as high and they are just as important to the trajectory of this story, they just can't get them right. <laughs> and that's and that is—I love this show. 
<laughs> do we do we love this? I love this show, but it's so sloppy. But it's just like it's this just it's it's my mess. Like it's like I love it. <laughs> I will say this. I enjoyed watching this, but it's definitely not like my favorite show that I've ever watched. Let it sit. It's but a it's show very that good. I just think about. It's every time it Same. comes up, I'm like, oh yeah. And you can get uh you can just get carried away. I tried not to say you lost. Get lost you get in carried it. Carried away. Just talking about it. because it's so confusing and there's and there's so much that like when you understand it, you feel so good about understanding it. But then everything else that doesn't make sense, you either like try to make an excuse for it or you just write it off. You're like, yeah, it's just bullshit. Or you accept it. You're like, ah, it's again, it's it's, it's my bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> I just accept it. Yeah. And much like this season, we're jumping around a lot, but to return quickly to the daddy issues, we get the whole thing with Miles and Dr. Chang. And you're just like, another one? <laughs> Like, did we need another storyline that was very, very similar? Like, oh, no, my dad wasn't around. It's like, we we just did that with Jack and Locke. Do we need another? It's like every, yeah, it's it's over, it's overdone because there's so many. Thrown Hurley into the mix, too. Yeah. I think these creators need to sit down with their fathers and have a talk. Clearly. But yeah, it's like. Every single character is like, what if this person who had a bad relationship with their father did bad things, but we love them anyway? And that's every character on the show. Not every character, but like Except so for many Saeed. characters. Yeah. Except for Saeed. Who who's killed the most people. <laughs> I mean, that tracks, obviously. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with his father. No. Maybe a little. We don't know. <laughs> but... I want to end this episode talking about Jacob because that's kind of the big note that the season ends on in addition to the incident. But is there anything else the two of you want to bring up before we dive into Jacob and the incident? Do we have a memory of anything else? I have so many memories, but then all of my memories just stem from, wait, was that this season? (laughs) Yeah, same. I keep doing that too. There's a thing with the bomb. The H-bomb, yes. That's this season. That's me talking about it. I was going to say, like, I feel like I remember liking this season a lot when I was watching it because so much happens and you're constantly just like, what, what, what? And I remember having like a great time watching it, but like, it's very hard to recall what happened during this season. Honestly, as soon as I finished season six, I was like, uh oh, I'm in trouble for season five. You immediately had already forgotten what happened. <laughs> I'm only three episodes into season six and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I did it again. This was like, I finished this maybe a week ago. (laughs) This is fresh. It's just so confusing. Yeah. And I want to say on the note of the H-bomb, that's kind of like Daniel's main storyline almost this season. He's like trying to disarm it earlier in the season and then they, he has them like bury it underground or something and then later on before we hit the final two episodes you have Saeed, Jack, Eloise and Richard going to find the H-bomb in the 70s. So we get Eloise in all of the timelines as well and I think that's interesting because she's a character who doesn't really seem like she's going to factor in when we meet her because 
when you first meet her in the 50s timeline, it's kind of just a passing thing. And then you slowly get these reveals when we see her in the different timelines, but you don't really get to spend a lot of time getting to know her, kind of like you do with Ben or Richard or Juliet. Yeah. Yeah, both. I mean, I feel the same way about, I guess, Eloise and 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 Daniel as a whole. Like, they're, they're pretty yeah. much just kind of uh, thrown into these. They... they they kind of move the the story along, but ultimately, I don't know. They don't really they don't hold a lot of weight in. I don't know. I guess that's like season six stuff. But like when yeah. you, when you really look at how this projects, like their trajectory, it doesn't really do. They were like a workaround in the end, which is I think uh, one one thing I, I did want to mention is the specifically the episode the variable in in you know. Weighing that against the episode, The Constant, which we love. The variable is like Faraday's Constant's uh, story, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not as good. I'm saying, wait, it's just, <laughs> no, it's just, re- it's so sloppy. And like, ah, uh, it's like, how dare you try to take that spotlight away from Desmond and replace it with Faraday? Oh! <laughs> I remember seeing the name of the episode and like the episode, like, like really getting into it and me being like, oh, this is like this guy's version of like the constant, right? Like this like awkward, like math nerd. Well, of course, because it's math and science terms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and it's the, it's the, it's the back and forth between the two timelines. Uh, it, a little bit more, we're a little bit more used to it at this point. Yeah. And when you, when you watch the constant for the first time, it's your first like big two storylines coming together kind of thing. Right. Two timelines coming together. Yeah. And obviously, the H-bomb is what leads to the incident, because they go and they basically take just the center out of it. This thing is like a bazillion pounds. And they're like, oh, we can just take this one little piece out and it's fine. (laughs) And you can run all around the island and have it change hands and, you know, it won't blow up on you. So then Jack drops it. And it doesn't blow up. And you're just like, of course it didn't. Of course it didn't. But there's so much chaos going on that Juliet literally like slips through the cracks because a chain has somehow wrapped itself around her. And you're just kind of like, okay, all right. They do a pretty nice job of letting you think that at least one of these characters is going to die when this is all happening because... There is so much happening. Yeah. You can't have an episode called The Incident and not have a casualty or two. And Right. What if nothing had happened in this episode? <laughs> it's just Bennett Book Club. Yeah. If it was like no, the but, most but chill. Instead, well, I guess it could- yeah. Instead, we get multiple incidents here. We get the actual H-bomb going off after the tragic uh, scene between Sawyer and Juliet as she's getting pulled down by those chains. And then you get the scene of Juliet just punching the bomb, trying to get it to go off. And this entire time, Saeed is bleeding out, right? Yep. <laughs> just Very, very, very long bleed out. It's a slow bleed. Yep. Uh, much, m- much longer than, uh, than Jacob's bleeding out after uh, Ben stabs him in. But you know the good news? What's the good? Phil and Stuart are dead. 
It's true. <laughs> Two of the most annoying characters yeah. of the season, hands down. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like the incident was them. Someone needed to replace Jack. Yeah, you're right. And it took two of them. Yeah. And then you have the incident to just like wipe away all of the poorly written characters that you introduced in the first place. Yeah. Because the incident happens and then so many characters that seemed so important are just gone. And you're back to just like, you know what? This one's uh, this one's for the people that are still here. Yeah, exactly. Becky, what are your overall thoughts on the incident? I'm trying to remember exactly what happens. <laughs> like before I say anything. They go to the specific work site where they're building one of the stations and they have this drill that is drilling into the ground and they hit this energy pocket and that's when you know they're trying to get this bomb there before they hit that pocket but they get there too late and then Dr. Chang tries to turn the drill off, but it won't turn off. So Jack just like chucks the thing down there anyway, and it does not go off. And then because of the electromagnetism, all of the metal is being sucked into the hole. <laughs> I'm like trying to like visualize everything happening. Because isn't that, that's when Phil gets stabbed with like, part of it right yeah i think he lands on some rebar or something yeah yeah he gets like impaled i'm pretty I sure i couldn't think of what that word was but there's a whole shootout too that doesn't help so it's like yeah bullets are flying metal is flying bullets are metal but y- you guys know what i mean <laughs> and then the thing with the chains which are also metal yes which pulls juliet down into the hole i know and then it's kind of like the lion king except Instead of like a father and son, it's like Juliet and Sawyer, and she's like, "I love you." Yes, it's like, "Don't you love me?" I remember that part. (laughs) And then you have, I believe it's Hurley, Jin, and the bleeding out Saeed at the van, not too far away. So they're just like missing out on the whole thing, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Her falling and like us thinking that like she falls like her death, but then like. It very quickly being like, no, no, she didn't. And then she right. starts like wailing on the thing with her. Like, I just, I remember being very emotional at that. Cause like, you're like, oh, great. Like, she didn't die. And then you're like, oh my God, she's gonna die so that this thing happens. She's a likable character. Yeah. I know. Uh, we again. like her. Who didn't like her? Yeah. By that point, I think she is a very likable character because. Earlier in the season, we see her do the right thing by trying to help Ben, even though that is not her area of expertise at all in the medical profession. And it is not the type of doctor that she is. No, not remotely. And she is always wanting to help people the same way that Jack did in season one, but he just stopped wanting to do that. She's a good gal. Yes. It's all through Jack's bullshit. She had some down moments, but I think every single character on this show had those. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that Desmond and Penny named their baby Charlie. They do. Oh, little moments, yeah. I just had to make a quick note of that <laughs> before we talk about Jacob, because I think that's the last big thing we have to touch on. And I apologize if we missed anything. This season was chaos. Inevitably. This episode is chaos. It's fine. You will all survive. 
Maybe. Maybe I see Nick. <laughs> yeah. I wish Nick was here. He would have made sure we didn't miss anything. Nick, the person who hasn't watched a single episode while we've been doing this. I know. Okay, but like, have you noticed that he's always the person who's like, we need to make sure that we talk about this. And like, yeah, he's the person who watched it the longest ago, I think. Well, there's another podcast for swooning about Nick. We'll we'll get there. I'm all (laughs) aboard on that one, too. (laughs) Deanna, can Shane and I come on and just talk about Nick? Can that be the thing that we geek out about? The episode is all about Nick Ball. Yeah. Ooh, Nick Ball, everybody. <laughs> it's my favorite joke I've ever made. <laughs> I'm not hearing her say no. <laughs> I did not say no, and I did not say yes. Hell yeah. Can't wait to come back. Jacob. <laughs> yes, what? Jacob. So I think really a lot of his story comes into play like the last three episodes because Episode 15 is when we find out that Locke wants to kill Jacob, but everything we know about Locke tells us that he's not going to do it himself for reasons that I don't really understand. He just never wants to do these things himself. But in episode 16, that's when we see Jacob going around and meeting all of these other characters. So he meets Sawyer after his parents' funeral or during the parents' funeral, something like that. He meets Kate when she's stealing from, you know, the corner store or whatever it is, like a gas station store or something. And it's just really crazy how they're like, oh, this dude we keep talking about, but you also forget about because we don't show you him. He's very important. Yeah, because like they kind of like, he's mentioned throughout this whole show, but you like really don't... You don't know if he's actually real. See him. You don't know if he's real. And then all of a sudden, here's this guy, and he's seen Sun and Jen, like, at their wedding. And he distracts Saeed when Nadia is hit by a car, and he just causes all of this mm-hmm. chaos, in a way, earlier in these people's lives, and way, way early in some cases, you know, with Kate and Sawyer. And you're just kind of like, okay, obviously, he is the thread that is going to tie all of these characters together, even though we've seen some of them cross paths before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's well done. He's actually well done. Even though they don't really explain like why he was invisible for the first f- <laughs> five seasons. Four seasons. Four seasons. <laughs> yeah, and then like we never really, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more to talk about with Jacob in season six, I think. But in season five, at the end, they're really setting him up. And then the fact that they go and kill him in episode 17, you're just kind of like, but this dude was important. So you kind of get a feeling that we're going to get more of his character. And it was just very strange how they kind of, I don't want to say shoehorned all of that in at the end, but it felt very rushed all of a sudden. It does. It does. Because you take five, four and a half seasons of talking about somebody, and then you give them three episodes that are actually kind of about them, but really only one. I figured that there was some type of like thing that was Jacob, but I didn't think that Jacob was like his own person necessarily (laughs) from what I remember. And then I remember that's only going to get more confusing. (laughs) 
Um, but like when you do actually start seeing him like doing stuff and like popping up and like being in these places, I remember being like, what? Yeah. I promise that I'm going to rewatch season six to be better <laughs> equipped to talk about it. Look, Shane and I watched this season and I don't know if there's a way to be prepared to talk about it. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, feel fully prepared for season six. That one, because there's a definitive, like season six is very much its own thing. It's, it's, it's kind of standalone because they just like erase so much with the incident. Well, and it doesn't jump around nearly as much as this season does. I think this season by far jumps around the most between timelines because they've given us so many more of them all of a sudden. Absolutely. Yeah. These are just like alternates. Any, yeah. It's not even like where you are on the timeline. These are, it gets different season six. Yeah. One last thing. I do love that Sun and Lapidus stick together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we're so used to seeing Sun with the other main characters, the fact that she's kind of left behind by herself on the plane while they all time traveled, which makes absolutely no sense to me other than, like I said, they wanted us to all suffer because they didn't want Jin and Sun to be together this season. And I really like that Lapidus was just like, you trust this guy? And she was kind of like, I don't have a choice. And then immediately smacks Ben on the back of the head <laughs> with the oar. Yeah. That might be the sun highlight for this season, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't talk about Alana too terribly much, but I think that's because she's not quite as important in this season, but she does give us the reveal of Locke actually still being dead. And that's kind of like the cliffhanger for this season that I think is going to drive a lot of season six. Two locks this time. Two locks. Because <laughs> one wasn't enough. I thought that was going to go over much better. <laughs> I audibly guffawed, and you can't see me because apparently <laughs> podcasting is a non-visual medium. But I, Shane, I, you know how I do that thing where I like throw my head backwards when I like really laugh at something? I did that. Thank you. I wish you could have seen it. Like, my entire body just, like, shot backwards <laughs> in laughter. Well, maybe that is the proper <laughs> note to end this on. I Truly. We love the cha-cha slide. <laughs> <laughs> in this house, we love and support the cha-cha slide. Becky and Shane, thank you for joining me to discuss Season 5. We probably missed roughly 1,800 things that happened, and I'm sure I'm people sorry. are screaming at us. And we tried. We really tried to watch this season <laughs> and be prepared, and sometimes you just can't be prepared for Lost. I'm going to take notes when I'm watching Season 6. I took notes, and I still was not prepared. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just impressed that you've let me do this five times. <laughs> <laughs> going for a perfect score shane someone had to oh i'm going yeah six for six oh i mean someone other than yeah. me because that's a given. i was about to say I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you need me to run run the show next week let me know whoa now shane is taking over my job of taking over deanna's job what i know hell? i keep getting that's, fired uh, that's how it works here <laughs> okay. all right well we will let everyone go now. So thank you, Becky. And thank you, Shane. Everybody clap your hands. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Good night.
All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.